Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. F1 has come on strong. Why is it Indy? And there's these endurance races and things like that. Why aren't all things motor racing taken off now? Because there's huge fan followings. Drag racing has a big following. IndyCar has a big following. World of Outlaws has a big following. All those different series have big followings, but really only NASCAR and F1 have cards. You don't even have IndyCar cards anymore or drag racing cards or anything like that. We're trying to figure out the same thing. Why hasn't anybody picked up these licenses? We would think like Panini or Fanatic slash Tops or somebody would say, hey, drag racing is an untapped market. Let's grab that or Indy. Because I know Ken would love to have some more new IndyCar cards. From the collector's standpoint, it was always the rules. Because typically you grow up, you play baseball, basketball, football, and then hockey. And it's the way that we consider the big four and then all the other sports. And even for me, I've done this with Val and Logan for a handful of years. And I feel like I still don't know anything from the sport aspect. I know the cards in the industry. And I think it's that entry point where it's not the cash value, it's the understanding what you're watching and what you're following. To me, that's always been what I've thought. I used to think that, but now I think most people's favorite soccer player is Ted Lasso. So, so, Jason, you just need to have the people talking about it. And NASCAR is certainly very popular. If Fanatics has their way, they're going to have anything that people are talking about that they can – sell stuff they're going to want to sell cards associated with to your point that whether people understand the hobby or understand even the sport it's an in thing to do i hope that's that's, f1 to a t i hope that's what they create but again f1 was so focused demand that it got i think out of proportion and that can leave people with a bad taste in their mouth so you guys be careful what you wish for if nascar has a slow and steady growth in the value of collectibles and the increase in collectors, then that's a sustainable ride that can be for a lifetime. F1, a lot of people came in, if they cash out, like I said, you compare one year's worth of F1 to a whole bunch of years of NASCAR, and it doesn't make sense. What we're seeing now, there was that meteoric rise, but now we're seeing a cliff fall right now. Yeah, there, yeah. A lot of prices are really dropping like 80 90%. So we are seeing that effect happening right now. I guess a lot of people who were hyping it and made their money or, like you said, they're cashing out, and now we're seeing the effects of that. But you got to have true collectors. Otherwise, then pump and dump that they talk about is usually yep. meant pejoratively in a very short time frame, and then you dump it all. But yep. I think a lot of these, it's not that. It's just that they buy the cards. They're really optimistic. They weren't thinking about dumping them. They were thinking, hey, this is going to keep going up. When it quit going up, and then it went down, and then they're thinking, do I buy the dip? And they think, maybe I won't buy on the dip. And then it keeps going down. Then they just think, I want to get out. Because they weren't true fans in the first place. Because they weren't able to say, hey, I got this great card. It's, I got this great card. This is how much I paid for it. And now I get sick at my stomach thinking that I've lost half the value when I double overpaid. Yeah, and that's happened quite a bit right now. I think so. We're seeing it. You have to compare, people want to do the comps, but only the comp against that particular card. 
And then they're willing to pay more instead of saying, I'd like to pay less or looking comps. When you're doing a comp of a house in a neighborhood, you need to look at the whole neighborhood. You don't look at just that house, what it's sold for. That's one data point. It's probably the best data point, but you've got it. If all the other houses in the block are for sale or for going for a lot more or a lot less, that factors in. And there's other blocks that are similar in other parts of the city. And that's what people are doing. When something gets overheated, they're thinking, what else is out there? What other house could I buy? And they're going to find that there's some NASCAR places that are you can just hit a whole bunch of great cards for the same price. Yeah, pleased with the slow and steady for NASCAR. I don't want to see it do some kind of exponential rise like F1 did, the way things are. That's I'm a get-rich-slow guy. Build and <laughs> establish the foundation. When that happens, to me, that's very sustainable. When you don't do that, it's a roller coaster. Roller coasters, you know, they trigger crash warnings on your iPhone. If you're on oh, the, yeah, if you're on, well, that's what's happening. You're on that roller coaster and, you, and your iPhone knows something's not right here. You're flying upside down. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great analogy. Uh, I hate it because I, it might be a little bit true. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a lot true. <laughs> yeah. I don't want it to quadruple and then drop in half. I just want it to go up a little bit each year. And some things are going to go up more, big, big surprise. But when it goes up a thousand percent in a year... Oh. It just has a lot more room to go down. Same thing with the stock market. If something went up really high, unless it can stay at that level and you could see there's a reason for it, the earnings justify it, the company's growing, is doing really well, even then it could still be overheated to what it was. Yeah, if I could have a time machine and just go back even just two years ago, there were F1 vintage cards that were $5, 10 a set. And now you can't touch those for less than $200. That just goes to show you the power of how everything was hyped and how it went up so quickly, so fast. I have less problem with that. If some of these $5 or $10 sets were $5 or $10 when they were issued and nobody thought about them and nobody chased them, but if several people wanted them, it could be a $200 set. I have a problem with $10,000 cards that were printed yesterday the tcma minor league cards if everybody thought hey minor league is great there only were a thousand of them printed so are 500 of them of the set still around or 400 or 300 they're all shorter printed and a lot of that nascar stuff and early f1 is same thing so i could justify the obscure thing more so than what's being hyped right now the latest greatest thing that gets hyped out of shape you're asking collectors to have restraint and that is a really difficult thing because there's so much passion and you want what people are talking about i understand that but if you can have some restraint then you may miss out today but if you're right then the price is going to come down if you're wrong then you just got to go buy something else tops set up at the miami grand prix and they had cards specifically for that. Nescar is a different animal than some of the other sports. We really never seen a track giveaway or anything like that to help educate or let the fan at the track know there are cards available. I've been to the 
NASCAR Hall of Fame getting some cards autographed when they had some driver appearances and folks didn't even know that cards were made. Panini did try to do some guys and they sponsored one of the drivers and they had actually a Panini car at the race in the Xfinity series. But it just seems like that hasn't been able to grab the attention of NASCAR fans to let them know their cards. So, well, Fanatics has a reputation for doing stuff like that. And so they're going to do it. If they buy Panini, they're going to get Panini to do it. And if Panini does not get bought by Fanatics, they got to up their game. Mm -hmm. And Val, I think that's a great idea. It's investing in the category. And a lot of these marketing expenses do not pay off the first time you do it. The concept of advertising and marketing is repeat. That's why on TV, if you're watching a football game, you'll see the same commercial more than once. They may lose money the first year, which they maybe are will, unwilling to do. But the, those kind of sampling things, I think, do work in the long run. Folks don't know the history of some of the cards. And NASCAR Radio came out of to try to help educate your collectors and maybe breathe a little life back into some of these sets. Because like you said, it's been 30-something years of cards and NASCAR cards just are perfect for visual, the relics, some of the technology and the autographs. The drivers are always pretty accessible to get autographs. NASCAR trading cards are one of the better visual sports married with cards. One of the things that put breakers on the map and some of these big cards on the map are the bounties. So bounties are a thing now. So if I put a $100 bounty on some $10 NASCAR sets that are from 30 years ago, 25 years ago. That's a $10 set, but obscure. And I say, I'll buy up all the ones you send me for 100 bucks. I do not think I'd be overwhelmed. It wouldn't be stupid to put something that was mass produced, but something that's obscure, I would not be overwhelmed. Then everybody's thinking, hey, that's a $100 set. And that's what's happening with F1, is that it's not that they're having bounties, it's becoming known they're scrambling. They're looking for anything. And there's just as obscure stuff for NASCAR. These little sets. In fact, it's in many cases, it's sets that not only are not talked about, we would buy stuff, samples, or a sample set when we'd be at these shows to show in the price guide. But sometimes we didn't put them in the price guide because we didn't have enough price information. And we were a price guide. And yeah, I've got a few sets that have never been in a price guide. They might be junk and they might be good. They might be a failed test issue. It was a little bit the Wild West with NASCAR. Now, licensing, very different from the leagues. So it could be fully licensed in the NASCAR sense and be pretty obscure. Look, I think that's what you need to do for the 2019 Donruss Fox announcers set. Yeah, put a bounty out. That's a great idea. There there's a set that came out in 2019 that I think there was, what, 200 print run, 200 yeah. sets? I've got an eBay search. I'm looking every day, every night for those cards. I have not seen a set. Val's picked up one set, but I cannot find that set anywhere. Yeah, You've got a better chance of them finding you if you put an extreme bounty on it. For you to yeah. look, you're doing all the work. I just think somebody's going to see, and they're going to think you're stupid for paying that much because they're not doing the math. And you can't say, I'll pay top dollar. You got to say, I'll pay X dollars. Years ago, eBay had that site they called Want It Now, and you could post 
things you were looking for. And it was addicting to me. And it's that thing of, I might not have anything, but it's cool to see what other people are looking for. And then maybe once in a while, I'll have something that I can sell that I wasn't really looking to move, but somebody else wants it and needs it. And that's what you're talking about. Just that concept of helping somebody the collection and getting a little money out of it at the same time. Yeah, except that I don't think those things work as well because they mainly appeal to the collector who is a true collector. It's not the flippers. that The flipper would find it and try to get it to you. But if it's something scarce, and collectors are not one to pay 10 times what something is worth. But I'd put a bounty out there, Logan. The other thing you could do, and this is insidious because you're the PSA guy. But if you were saying, I could do this with BGS, say, I'm paying a thousand bucks for those. PSA 10, <laughs> or I'd say BGS 10. And there's no chance that anybody's going to contact me with a BGS 10, or I could say any amount of money, it will never happen for something that was that's 30 years old. It just won't. And then when they call you, I've got an eight, and you say, well, I'll give you 20 bucks for that. Yeah, at least get the word out there and get people thinking, that, you know, wow, things. these things are worth yeah. something. And if it's ungraded, contact it. And that the bigger dollars, it's so the opposite of the greater fool theory. It's pride of ownership of paying more for something is somehow a good thing. I want people to know I got a good deal. The new breed just wants people to know they got a bad deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, a lot of I paid more than anybody else for this. Yeah. Yeah, so I have money to not waste because they're not flushing it down the toilet. They're buying something that I perceive as being overpriced. They're putting a higher value on it because they think it's going to go for more. It could, and I've been wrong. Everybody's wrong some, and mostly probably, but wrong enough times to know you're not infallible. I'm going to do that. Go for it. In fact, if you put some interesting things on there, I'll dig into my NASCAR stuff. Put a nice big bounty on it, Logan. 